Hey, now say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and today we got a special guest joining us all the way from Austin, Texas. He is a communications graduate. He actually got his degree. I don't want to just say he's a major. Yeah, he's got yeah. his degree at yeah. Houston Tillotson University, which is an HBCU. He also is the owner of World Series Company, which is a merchandise and apparel company. Tim Moore, man, thank you for joining me. Of course, I appreciate that beautiful intro, bro. You feel me? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and it's good to have you on because obviously you and I grew up together. The listeners yeah, may not necessarily know that, but went to high school together. Um, we yeah. went to college, had similar interests, both did shows in college. You um, majored in communications and myself, I majored in general media. So okay. we've always wanted to kind of connect on this level once the opportunity present, presented itself. And here we are today. Rocking and rolling. We got a whole lot to get into. We'll certainly get into some NBA talk because we all saw what happened last night (laughs) with Pandemic P. (laughs) Keep your mask on, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your mask on. The pandemic is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll get into that and some other playoff stuff a little bit later on. We'll also obviously get into your company and have you dive into what it is the World Series company is all about. But first... I would like to start off with your HBCU experience because just last week we had Gina Mizell here on the podcast and she um, writes for the Phoenix Suns for suns.com. And we talked about Chris Paul and his support for HBCUs. Um, Obviously there's been sort of this widespread movement of celebrities and entertainers that have been supporting HBCUs as of late. And I don't think we've actually ever had anybody that attended an HBCU here on this podcast. So for starters, I want you to talk about your experience going to an HBCU and why it's significant to see the the, the wide range of support that we've seen in the last year and some change uh, when it comes to HBCUs in particular. <clears throat> Not for sure, man. I mean, uh, you know, my my college route, I was always at a smaller school. So I went to Solano Community College first. Um, so I got that in-depth kind of close experience or, you know, with the teacher or with the professor. And then at the HBCU, I went to a smaller HBCU, only about 1,200 students. So every class was, you know, 12 or 12 to 15 students, you know what right. I mean, uh, right. on any on any given, given day or any given class period. So, uh, you know, it was nothing like what perhaps I thought college would be. Unless I guess I was why even even HBC the the way HBCUs were perceived even through movies like uh, Drumline right like the experience overall was like that but I think they had bigger classrooms like bigger classroom looks so I think I thought it was right. maybe gonna be something like that but it's an experience that you can't duplicate anywhere else because everybody there is uh, they want you to succeed so. And then you're seeing individuals walk around with suits that look just like you all day, every day, no matter what it is. So they're dressed to the nine every single day. Fraternities and sororities are there. Uh, and the professors legitimately want your success. You're not just a number there. You feel me? So it's like if I go to a professor and I'm struggling, uh, they're going to try and figure out a way for me to be as 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 successful as I possibly can be. You know what I'm saying? Like under no circumstance would it just be, oh, I'm just a number here. You know what I mean? They really care. I still got all of my professor's cell phone numbers. You know what I mean? And still speak to them all the time. 
So uh, I think you get that kind of when you go to a small school anyway. But one thing you may not get at a PWI that you get at an HBCU is the confidence. You know what I mean? And so every as soon as I graduated there, I went to go work at a tech company, Oracle. And I was like a standout when I got there. But before I was even a standout performance wise, my personality uh, shined brighter than everybody else because there was no fear like I don't I don't deserve to be here. Any room that I step into, I come in as me. And they kind of molded that and gave me that confidence to say that I'm good enough, you know what I'm saying, wherever I go. And then just overall, you know, I, the pandemic was was horrible in the sense that we lost people, but it was great because you couldn't turn, you couldn't bat a blind eye to what was going on, right? So you couldn't turn, if, if what happened to George Floyd happened in 2021 versus 2020, it may have not gotten that same response. Right. You know what I mean? But because right. we were so early, uh, in the pandemic and we still didn't have no questions, nobody could turn their TV off. You had to watch what was going on. And the president was so, at the time, was so horrible in the way that he handled the situation and he politicized it so much that it makes sense that it's like, okay, well, black lives do matter. And so now what, what's a way that we can affect change? Well, let's support HBCUs. You know what I mean? Let's right. look at all the great people that went to HBCUs and all of the all of the great cities that they represent, uh, the people that come out of them. So it's like, you know, it made a lot of sense. And I'm very happy uh, that Chris Paul and other guys, you know what I'm saying, took it serious or or, or are showing the love to it uh, that they are. You know what I mean? Him, LeBron James, uh, showing a lot of love to FAMU. Uh, all, all of those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. You got, you, go, got, you got the yeah. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. Exactly. And, and with, with golf and, and funding golf at HBCUs. Um, yeah. You got the masterpiece who's who's supporting HBCU. In fact, his son just signed to an HBCU, and then right. you're also seeing that wave of these young or these younger athletes that are now looking to attend these HBCUs um, rather than going to you know the Dukes or the North Carolina right. or the Kentuckys that usually the top recruits tend to go to. So I do exactly. think it's been a super dope trend. But as I mentioned. When it comes to the experience, I totally get what you're saying when it comes to yeah. the smaller classroom sizes because I went to a PWI. I definitely went to a predominantly white institution, but at the same token, I went to a private, a smaller private school. So mm -hmm. I understand what it's like to be in those intimate class settings and to be able to garner real relationships and friendships with your professors beyond right. your years of them being your educator. So I think a lot of people look at as you mentioned, the movies, you know, the drum lines, or even when you think of any other movie that involves colleges, you have these big theater-sized classrooms right. with mm -hmm. a hundred-plus people in there. Yeah. It's not really hands-on or as hands-on as things could be. It's just sort of these lecture rooms rather than it being these, you know, these back-and-forth conversations or, right. you know, these 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 enhanced participatory assignments or, or, yeah. or, you know, classroom sessions. So I, I think it's actually really dope that you acknowledge the fact that HBCUs in general being smaller than these PWIs allows right. for stronger relationships, allows for students to be able to get their hands more dirty in whatever field it for is sure. that they're majoring in and getting educated in. So I think it's really black, dope that you mentioned that. Exactly. Because, bro, you got to think about it. Black people naturally are relationship people. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. we want to cultivate these relationships. And if you look at black people overall, just in the history of this country, every group of people has a problem with black people, but we don't have a problem with nobody. You know what I'm saying? So when with us not having a problem with nobody, 
essentially just from our ancestral DNA, we want that love from people. And so when you go to an HBCU, the professors there might not be black, but they love you though. And they're going to show that love. And right. they're gonna, and you ain't never going to feel like you're not getting uh, adequate treatment. You know what I'm saying? It's right, never, I never right, went there. Right. I never, ex- bro, you feel what I'm saying? Like I never went to an HBCU and was like, this teacher don't like me. That's why my grade is like this. You know what I'm saying? This teacher don't feel me. This teacher is racist. Because how could you be? Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. How, the, how the could you be? of you being here is to exactly. support black students. To support black students. And, and even and if you're not, if you're not there for that, then it's going to be get identified very soon. And you may be up out of there as a professor. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Depending on yeah. your institution. So uh, I think, again, black people being relationship people, HBCUs are good. And, you know, Master P is always reinventing himself. That's why he's always relevant. But right. I wish he would have been on this 20 years ago when he was the biggest in the world. Why is you know that? what I'm saying? Like, why, why just because. You, you think it's late? And obviously you mentioned Master P, but there's yeah. plenty others that, like I said, I'm seeing sort of come on to this HBCU wave. Tell me more right. about why you think that, you know, things like this happened a bit earlier. Well, I, I, you know, you know, it's funny, you know, now that I think about it, after you ask that question, it's kind of like, if I think about Mercedes Benz, right? Like they just made the new S class. But they made the S-Class in 1990. That was the best S-Class for that time. I'm sure if they could have made the S-Class they just put out 2021, they would have put it out in 1990 if they could have, but they didn't have the access or the understanding to be able to do what they did now. So I guess it's kind of similar with with Black celebrities overall. Before 2020, realistically, I'll say before the the 2010s era, I never heard anybody talk about HBCUs. You know what I mean? Right. Unless it was Grambling because they used to have the band play on Thanksgiving. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That was Or, the only or time unless I- somebody actually attended one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so, but from there, if we look at all of the people that, all the celebrities now uh, that you named a little earlier, athletes, everybody's tapped in with the HBCUs, right? But now we're in the social media age. So imagine if we would have had that type of love when people had to actually be real celebrities. Like imagine 2001, if Jay-Z is like, I think uh, all black kids should attend HBCU. Master P was the biggest in the world. Snoop Dogg, Pharrell, all of them guys back then. Hey, let's go to HBCUs. I'm not saying that it's too late because they're all still relevant, all those guys that I named. But I wish that it would have happened earlier. But again, if, if iPhone could have came, if Steve Jobs could have put that iPhone out in 95, he would have. Yeah. But the world wasn't ready for it. And so maybe that's just the reality. Maybe we wasn't ready to have them type of conversations. And maybe white people wasn't willing to be as uh, attentive, you know what I mean, right, as they right, are right. now in listening to them. You know what I'm saying? So you look at Jeff Bezos' wife giving billions of dollars to HBCUs. She may not have done that 20 years ago, yeah. maybe because they didn't have the funds. But if she looks up and it's like, oh, damn, well, Master P is doing this. Pharrell is saying this. You know, Pharrell is loved by all people. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if he's saying this, if all of these other people are saying this, then I too need to play my part. And again, I think we had such a divisive president that was that white people legitimately, some for only 45 days, but most are still kind of like, okay, I have to separate myself from everything that he represents and something tangible is supporting HBCUs and talking about black colleges. And as far as recruits and stuff going there, you're going to school for one year. Why not do it at Howard? Why not do it at Hampton? You know what I mean? Yeah, Why for the not? type of recruits that you know want to go pro anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like 
you are only going to be in school for a year. So McCore Maker went to Howard, right? But a guy who was who we thought was going to go to Howard was uh, Josh Christopher out of L.A. And he ended up going to Arizona State because his brother went there. But they thought that he was going to go there. And I thought that was going to be incredible because he would have been the first guy who had a big YouTube following. Like McCore Maker, he was top 20 in the country, but his brother was more known than he was, right? Like Thon Maker, Maker is really known. So, <clears throat> but Josh Played Christopher had a big YouTube. Yeah, exactly. He had a big YouTube following, uh, a million followers on Instagram in high school. It's like, man, I wish that he would have said, okay, I'm going to go to Howard. I wish Kay Cunningham would have did the same thing. Jalen Green, all of those guys. Because then you can go to Howard and even though the TV going to look grainy, okay, well, we're going to bring Kentucky in here and we're going to see if we can get this win. Yeah. We're going to bring University of Texas in here. We're going to see if we can get this win. And if you put all of them guys on the team, they're going to win. It don't matter the color, the name on your jersey. You know what I'm saying? But in that sense, you are playing for the name on your jersey because you're not only representing your school, you representing the whole black community. You know what I'm saying? When you go to an HBCU and you dominate like how you post to. You know what I'm saying? So I wish that that 2015 team that Devin Booker was on in Kentucky, I wish them guys would have went. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, that right, Howard right. or a Hampton or something like that. Because we needed to see that. But like I said, we wasn't ready. Yeah. But I think in the next 10 years, we'll see something like that. We'll definitely see them top recruits start to go there because they know they're only going for a year. Yeah, and they yeah. might they might open the NBA back up because them not letting them, them guys into the NBA straight, straight off is probably racist anyway. You know what I'm saying? If we really keep it real. So, you know, maybe they will start to go to these HBCUs. I hope they do. Um, if they don't, I don't hold it against them. But that experience you get there, you won't get anywhere else. And that's yeah. just the reality. Absolutely. I want to transition away from HBCUs a little bit and talk about the World yeah. Series company. Obviously, the World Series is one of the most established brands, championship series <laughs> names in sports. Um, with you creating this company called the World Series Company, is there any correlation between that of the actual World Series and what it is that your brand um, is intended to do or present? Yeah, I think... Uh... You know, realistically and even stylistically, I try and get away from like the thought of sports and stuff like that. But I guess it's kind of that's kind of a contradictory statement to make since my name of the company is the World Series Company. You feel <laughs> me? But uh, no. So to me, the World Series, just like the NBA Finals or the uh, NCAA, the Final Four, whatever it is, it's the highest form of competition. You feel what I'm saying? And so right. for me, it's like every day is a competition though. You know what I mean? Like every day you have to win every day, just like you in the world series and you trying to figure out how you going to get this win. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was more like a play on the subconscious. It's like, if you wearing this, you know what I'm saying? What does it really mean? You know what I'm saying? I'm really trying to educate people. I'm really trying to encourage people like, Hey, you got to go win every single day. You know what I'm saying? We on that wake up and win. Podcast, right. Right. You know right, right. Me? Like, Hello. So it's like every day, we have to wake up and then try and win the day. And if at the end of the day, you can say, damn, well, I got 1% better today, or I did this and I did that today, and, and that made me a better person, then it's like, you know, then, then you won that day. You know what I'm saying? You essentially won the championship of that day. Every day is game seven. You feel me? So it's like, you not you don't want to go out and have a long summer. You know what I'm saying? Because we all know one bad day could turn into one bad year. You know what I'm saying? So, but if we're making that conscious effort, like I'm trying to win every day, then we're going to get that win, no question. 
What do you want sort of the like cultural impact to be of the World Series company? Because obviously you think about Jordan and Nike and what they've been able to do and how, how, you know, the Jordan sneaker and the Jordan brand essentially has been able to influence culture. I think about people like Kanye with Adidas, Pharrell Mm -hmm. with Adidas, Um, a lot of different fashion designers really hold stake in the culture by what it is they do with their fashion and with their apparel that it is that they're creating and that they're designing. For your company in particular, what cultural impact and influence do you want your apparel to have? I think it's, I think for me really, it's probably just the education part, education and the love. You know what I'm saying? I want people to be educated because oftentimes I'm doing graphic t-shirts or I'm doing graphic hoodies that have uh, something on them that's special. You know what I mean? Like I did a, I did a, uh, I did a hoodie that had Malcolm X on it, uh, Huey Newton, Martin Luther King, and Barack Obama on there. But it was made to look exactly like the Vibe magazine cover from uh, from the 90s that had Snoop on there, uh, uh, Tupac, Suge Knight, and Dr. Dre. You know what I'm saying? And so when they see that hoodie and they see these people, Huey Newton doesn't have that recognizable of a face if you ain't been doing the education. You know what I'm saying? So you, you you may know uh, for you may know um, Malcolm X, you may know Martin Luther King Jr. You, you obviously know Barack Obama, but you know what I'm saying. You don't really know. You may not know Huey Newton, so you got to do that research. And if you go do that research on him, you're gonna find out about the Black Party, or the Black Panther Party, and you're gonna find out maybe that they wasn't this militant extremist group, but they was really in the community making change. You know what I'm saying? And I think based on where we from, we kind of that the Black Panthers. The innovation with uh, technology, all of that is indoctrinated into us because it's already in the air. You know what I'm saying? So that energy is already there. It's already in the atmosphere. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So that energy that's in the air, that's why we got so many independent superstars in the Bay Area. That's why we make changes uh, technologically. That's why we are always the first to do things. That's why um, uh, basketball, we change sports. The game of basketball used to be a big man game. Now, if you can't shoot threes, you're not there. Where did that start? Right in the area. Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry. Exactly. So it's like education. You need that education, but you also got to understand where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? And so when I think about the cultural impact I want my clothing line to have, not only do I want you to wear the clothes and get educated on the people on the clothes and, and just get fresh overall, but I also want you to look at me. Because I'm I'm 25. I'm a, I'm a young guy, independent, right? I don't have a nine to five. I chose to dedicate my life to this. You know what I'm saying? To educating and, and into showing love through clothes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so when I think about it, if you see me doing commercials every month, being consistent, doing this, doing that, dropping shoes, dropping a whole bunch of fly clothes, all of that, you're going to be like, dang, well, clothes might not be my thing, but... I can go turn it up this way. And if I just stay consistent like Tim, I could do my thing and I can spread my message to the culture. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm really just trying to be a light in this dark world, but I'm really just trying to be an example. You feel what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be an example every day of what it's really like when you commit yourself to something and you just keep going at it, whether it's good or bad. To me, you never have bad days because you're always learning. So to me, the glass is always half full. You feel what I'm saying? So for me, I think, you know what I'm saying? That was kind of a long-winded answer, but I think just the education when I'm putting, the first hoodie I ever did was a boat hoodie with Donald Trump on it. 
You know what I'm saying? That's the first thing I did. I did not put no words on a t-shirt or no words on a hoodie or no logo on a hoodie and say, buy my clothes Clar- for $70. Clarify you- what that clarify what that meant. You putting a vote hoodie with Donald Trump on it. Cause some people so might I, think you're telling them to vote you for feel Donald me? Trump. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and so let me, let me say that for sure. And if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have did that hoodie because I think the message got misconstrued because gotcha. it was so early. You right, know, if right. I was to do that hoodie now, after I didn't already establish myself as a young political, uh, driven, educated individual, then people might have understood. I'm saying you got to vote against Donald Trump. And the, and the hoodie had Donald Trump on it with an X over his face. Oh, okay. You know okay, what I'm saying? Okay, then, gotcha, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, you know what gotcha. I'm saying? And so a similar image to uh, what when when Nipsey Hussle and YG dropped that fuck Donald Trump. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, when yeah, they yeah, dropped yeah. that, that, gotcha. that image, you know what I'm saying? And so we gotcha. did that. But people don't want, didn't want to walk around with Trump on their face. And yeah, I got to recognize yeah, yeah. that. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I got to recognize. But I'm still political, though. You know what I'm saying? I'm still tapped in with my politics, even though it's more normal now than it was in the past four years. I'm still politically trying to tap in and see what's going on uh, in my cities and in, in the places where I live. You know what I'm saying? And we all political. Because if you look at who we grew up on, the first president that we really probably remember uh, who made a real impact on us as young African-American males or as the Gen Zers, as they call us, is... Um, I think, I think I'm still a millennial. I think I'm still a millennial. You're a millennial. I'm 28. You're 25. You might I'm be. A, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? So you, you're the millennial. But either but I'm at the tail end of that. So I get so, what you're saying. <clears throat> you feel what I'm saying? So, yeah. so you think about 2008. Up to that point, all of the people who we looked up to was probably Kobe, Mike, AI. You know what I'm saying? Probably Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? All the Kanye West, Pharrell. All these people who was entertainers and athletes. Right. Barack Obama showed us, oh, hold on. I can be an educated young black man and get it popping. You know what I'm saying? We may not give him direct credit, but we in this space we in now, yeah. a lot has to do with that because of him. Because I agree. Being I agree cool, there. Because be, uh, being educated is the most gangster thing you can do because they can't take your mind from you. You feel what I'm saying? So even though they may try and, and, and discount us as a people and they may take all of our style and they may take try and take our culture and they may try and uh, water it down, they can't never take that education. They can't take that degree. And Barack Obama was the first person I saw in the public eye who was like, okay, he went and got that degree and he's super educated and he talked so beautifully and eloquently that even to me in the sixth grade, I was like, I got to go to college. No question about it. You know what I'm saying? Because, and he made that impact on me. So we're all political. And then you look at what just happened last year. Then people that got Trump out of that office was people our age. You know what I'm saying? So we all political because we sat there and we watched. And then on top of that, black people really made that difference in them black cities, Detroit. You know what I'm saying? All yeah. the rap I listen to is from Detroit. You know what I mean? Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 we already talked about Michigan. Philadelphia, another one. Shout out me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Definitely not shout out to Ben Simmons. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but everybody else, you know what I'm saying? Philadelphia made that impact. So you look at these black cities, and you look at us making that positive, educated impact on the world. And we are changing the world one person at a time just because of that impact that Barack Obama had indirectly. But it was very direct, though, if you really break it down and think about it. So well, you, well, well, yeah. you're, forcing me, you're forcing me to switch gears now because yeah. you obviously weren't too prone to shout. Now Ben Simmons there. We know that he had a, a, a less than stellar, really just a, a bad outing in game seven. Yeah. Uh, in these here NBA playoffs, the guy was just scared to shoot the ball, which, 
you just can't be <laughs> at, at right. the level that he is. But um, just what's been some of your thoughts this year on the NBA playoffs? Because I think it's been great so far. Yes. Obviously, you have people that are worried because you don't have the usual suspects mm-hmm. playing later on in the postseason. You don't have LeBron out there anymore. You don't have Kevin Durant out there anymore. Obviously, yep. Kawhi's team is still playing, but he's out. He's, he's out. So you got a lot of these stars that we've gotten accustomed to seeing in the postseason. Damian Lillard, obviously, being another one. Um, yeah. Steph Curry, none of the Warriors yeah. guys are out there. What have been your thoughts just kind of seeing – this transition of these young stars making these deep runs into the playoffs and some of the more established stars already being sent home. Well, it's tough because, um, you know, I think about LeBron, I think about KD, even before, and I guess Steph too, because Steph really kind of took off in college. And I think they was the last of that, super duper star before social media. You feel what I'm saying? So that's our last connection to guys like Kobe, guys like Garnett, guys like Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's our last connection to that time frame. So for me to watch these new young guys come up, I'm happy, but I'm also sad at the same time because now I know for a fact that that era is ending. It's coming to an end, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? And uh, But as far as the gameplay, it's been some of the most beautiful basketball that I've seen in the last couple years, for sure. I like Devin Booker. I think that what Stephen A said is very real. They posted highlights of Kobe, and then they posted highlights of Booker. He's doing everything that, Kobe was doing. You feel what I'm saying? And he's talking crazy to the other team. He's not smiling. There's no smiles from him. He's very locked in. I'm tapped in with Booker. I mean, Trey Young is the villain. He the new Reggie Miller, it feel like, in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he did yeah, yeah, in New yeah. York was just like, Absolutely. that was so gangster. And I'm, you know, honestly, some of the big guys who are left, I'm really not fans of. I'm not a fan of Giannis at all. I don't think he has a, I think I love Derrick Rose because, well, for one, he was incredible when he was, when he was at his height. Right, but right, even right. if you look at D. Rose now, he changed his game up. Giannis doesn't have the ability to do that. If Giannis was to get hurt, to have a catastrophic injury, and I would never wish that on him, he would have no transferable skill that would make him an effective NBA basketball player. You know what I'm saying? He can't do anything, not to me. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's talented at all. And I think, I think that when you talk about dynamic seven-footers, I saw one playing in Brooklyn. I saw Kevin Durant dominate that team. They had nothing for Durant. You know what I'm saying? That's a dominant player. That's what a basketball player looks like. Not somebody running full speed, airballing free throws. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and as far as Philadelphia goes, how can, everybody wants to blame Doc Rivers. Everybody wants to look at the coach. How can I coach somebody how can I coach somebody who does not have, who loses his confidence in the playoffs, who literally won't shoot the ball because he's afraid of what Stephen A. Smith will say? How can you coach that? Wide open dunk, I pass it to somebody who's double teamed. He's lucky that they called the foul. Yeah. 
Like, they lost that series for nobody else. Not because of coaching. Not because of Embiid. Not because Embiid couldn't perform in the fourth quarter. He's playing on one leg. Yeah. Ben Simmons got to step it up. And I think that those guys, as talented as he is, he will never be a super max guy until he can go and learn how to truly play the game of basketball and regain his confidence. And Giannis is obviously a super max guy because they gave him MVP, but they also gave him defensive player of the year. And I watched him get cooked by one of the most offensively talented players to ever play in the NBA. And I watched him not want to match up with Kevin Durant. I, I watched it. Let me go guard. Uh, let me go. Let me go guard Blake Griffin. <laughs> let me go do that. You know what I'm saying? So Drew Holiday, very, Drew Holiday picked up Kevin Durant. Later. You know what I'm saying? Like, Drew, yeah. Come on now. And so much shorter than Kevin Durant, by the way. Right. Really, really good defender. Very respectful sure. amongst He's, his peers in regards to his defense ability on yes. the ball. But yeah, I, 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 I don't feel him. I, Giannis, I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of Ben Simmons. And I mean, Paul George. As soon as you think he's turning that corner, every time you think he's turning that corner, he get beside himself. He get to talking crazy in the media. I heard him this year say, and I quote, I'm on asses. (laughs) And I watch him get opportunity after opportunity to make good on his promises. You get a chance last night to go up three. You miss both free throws. You missed both free throws. You were outplayed by Luka Doncic. He's 21. You think now you're getting... Luka's just that good, though. You got to gotta acknowledge the special players, though. Luka is hard. Luka is he hard. He got outplayed by him. Like, Luka is just maybe just better than him. He's better than yeah. a lot of guys, regardless of age. Plus, in, in Luka's case, he's been a pro since he was seven for years For a long old. time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, been a, he's been a pro for such a long time. So, I, I think in Luka's case, he's just a unique special yeah he's a special talent type of a talent. he's a special talent and and obviously you know the clippers were able to come away victorious in that series as well i do but who did they play the, who did they play before dallas do you remember Dallas was the first round and then who did they, they play they last utah round? they played utah and paul george stepped it up in that series he stepped it up in utah stepped i gotta get that and, that's, and that's and that's where, when you allude to when you talk about him seeming as if he turned a corner that right. is exactly what you what you mentioned and look I don't expect him to be able to beat this Phoenix team without Kawhi Leonard there. Like right. I don't expect him to be able to carry the Clippers. But where I do agree with you that I think is a problem, he has, Ben Simmons has, and even to an extent Giannis has, has is a con- confidence issue. Right. When the big moments come, they wear it on their face that right. they're not quite ready for it. Like you could tell they try a lot to of fear. avoid those moments. There's fear. They 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 fear failure essentially. Right. But but that also fast tracks them to failure in some exactly. in, in some instances as well. Because when you feel when you fear failure, but you want to be garnered as this star that you indeed are based on your talent, your ability the uniqueness of your game. I mean, all three of those dudes are six, nine and above, you know, mm-hmm. with, with guard skills can, can right. have rock, great athleticism. Um, obviously Giannis and Ben aren't really shooters. Paul George can shoot it, but they all have unique skill sets for their sizes that has propelled them into being considered star players in this league. But being right. a star player in this league also comes with some responsibility in those. Exactly. Big 
not that you have to just be the most most clutch clutch guy, but you got to be confident that this is the shot that I'm supposed to be taking. This is the moment that I'm supposed to be in. And if I fail in this moment, it's not because I was afraid to be in this moment. It's because sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce in your direction. But I think all three of those guys do have a confidence issue. They wear, it on, sure. they wear it on their sleeves. You can see it and you can sniff it out as an opponent. And because of that, I think none of them have reached their potential yet that they ultimately can based on what their ability allows them to do as basketball players. And how can you be a superstar if you don't have the confidence to be that guy? Yeah, you, you can't. I, you I can't don't be. think you can. I don't think it's only can. a few superstars in the NBA. Hey, they throw that term around so loosely, but it's only a few superstars in the NBA. And we're watching one right now in Phoenix. Devin Booker is showing that he's the best shooting guard in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's showing that, you know? Until, I guess, until Clay come back. Because Clay didn't already did this. Yeah, you know what I'm Clay's saying? Been there, James Harden. That. But even look at James Harden. Like, James Harden is, to me, the I, I would assume, the, and most people would say, the best shooting guard in the NBA. But he's it, 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 does he perform like how Devin Booker has? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I can't necessarily say that James in the playoffs – is as effective as James Hart. I mean, is as effective as Devin Booker has been in the playoffs. I think he has been. I just think that okay. he's running into the Warriors a lot. And, That's and tough. He's running That's into very the, tough. The greatest team ever where in Booker's case, and it's not to take anything away from Booker because I'm a huge fan. I, I've for been sure. high on this Suns team for some years now, um, even when before they started having the success in the bubble and that translated right. and having a successful offseason and then obviously this season. But, yeah. you know, Booker has still played against a depleted Lakers team. They yeah. dealt with a lot of injuries there, obviously. Anthony Davis, for for what it's worth, Father Time is still undefeated. LeBron's still uh-huh. getting a bit older there. You know, yeah. you play against – who did they play in the second round? Uh, they just had played uh, – they swept uh, – Damn, I the can't Nuggets, think of it. The Nuggets. The Nuggets, No Jamal yeah. Murray. No Jamal Murray. No Jamal, yeah. Nuggets in four. Swept them Suns in four. Um, no Jamal Murray there. So they've still played against teams that haven't been at full strength. And any of you even looking now, they're playing against a Clippers team with no Kawhi. That's not at full strength. So, so but let me ask you now, this question. Now, now, you don't apologize for that as Devin Booker. You got to play who in front of you. You, you play who I was just about to ask who's you. in front of you. You don't apologize for that. Right. But what, what I'm saying is, when you compare him to that of James Harden and what James Harden has had to deal had with to go against, and go yeah. against in the postseason, I wouldn't necessarily say that I haven't seen James Harden play as good as Devin Booker in right. the postseason. But shout out to Devin Booker for the crazy run that that team is on. Shout out Book for sure. But let me ask you this question, though, even with what you just said right there. Did you consider Steph the best point guard in the NBA when his first finals run every 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 team he played was also depleted. Did we yeah. give him that same type of, you know what I'm saying, that same type of thing with, that we said about Booker just now? Yeah, and I think a part of that has to do with the fact that he won MVP as well. He did. Yep, he, he won did. MVP in the regular season and then still went on to win the title. And, the and title. again, to, to Booker's credit here, when the MVP race was going on and Chris Paul was a part of that conversation – I think Chris Paul deserved to be in that conversation for the year he's had. But to me, there was never an opportunity for him to actually to be able to win that award because I wasn't sure he was even the best player on his team. 
because right. Devin Booker was playing alongside him, leading yeah. the team and scoring, and has been absolutely dominant. And I still give this team credit for the success that they had prior to Chris Paul coming, going 8-0 in yeah. the bubble. In and the bubble. just what they've been able to build over the last few years. Shout out to James Jones being able to win the Executive of the Year award. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I felt like with Steph Curry, it made sense because he also won MVP. And you just can't deny the fact that in that moment, he literally changed the game. Like, like beyond him winning the MVP, beyond him winning the championship against the right. teams, he, he changed, changed the, the game. game in front of our eyes. So it was just such a special and unique moment in time within the sport. I, I would have had to give it to Steph Curry at that point. That was a beautiful era of basketball. It's Warriors, still, it's still Warriors, cat. I think going when Clay up. comes back, I think when Clay comes back, they'll still be all right. I think, I think that, I think they could, if they was at full strength this year. I think they would be the team playing Phoenix right now. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I don't think I that – I think that they are still the, a top two, top three team in the West. That's how good Clay is because you're missing 20 points. And, and a lockdown defender. Right. Which we don't and know he if he'll can, be coming off the injuries that he dealt with, both being right. lower extremity, a knee injury, and an Achilles injury. But but I know this. He ain't going to lose top. no confidence in the playoffs. No, he ain't. So, <laughs> he's not scared of that moment. Not at all. <laughs> he, he's not scared of that moment. Who you got to win it? Oh, oh and before that, before that, mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask you this because obviously I'm here in Portland. And, you know, obviously we haven't had much good to say about Ben Simmons for legitimate reasons. But for sure. the conversation is being had, should Ben Simmons be traded for C.J. McCullough? Because obviously the Blazers have been a first-round exit the last four or five years. I think the Damon-CJ experiment is coming to an end. They already got rid of their coach. You know what's messed up about about that? That coach made the playoffs eight straight years. Is that what it was? Yes. All the way back to the LaMarcus Aldridge era. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a good – he's a good coach. Oh, he'll get another job. For sure. And I watched him 2014 beat Houston when they had Dwight, they had James, they had all of them guys. Like, they run into teams that are just tough to beat. That New Orleans team they lost to, they lost to that New Orleans team because why? There was Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, and I guess DeMarcus was hurt that year. But yeah. they lost because of those things. Like, you know, and then they went to the Western Conference Finals two years ago. Last year, they ran into the team that won the title. I think C.J. McCollum is a top 10 shooting guard. I thought before he got hurt this year, I thought he was top five. Like, yeah. I thought he had shown that. He's always performed well against other really good shooting guards. He's always performed well. But I think his problem is, as many as good as he is, he has a lot of, like, six for 17 games. Yeah, like, a lot yeah, of yeah, six yeah. for 16s. So I would not, but I would not. Efficiency is all the way there. His efficiency is a problem. Let me tell you why perhaps that trade may work. Only way I can see it working is because the ball will be flowing more. Right now, it looked like on, on a, in Portland, it was like, okay, Dame walks past half court. You got to guard him. He might pull from half court. See, but CJ is going to go ISO. Carmelo Anthony, it looks like he's not even playing in a game. It looks like he's just playing one-on-one with whoever's guarding, you know what I'm saying? So right. it's like, it may work now if they get a new coach that has a flow or continuity, continuity to the offense. I don't think Ben Simmons is good enough to be the, I don't think he's good enough to be that guy that takes the team over the top. 
So I and I think honestly, I think Portland is a second round max team. And then they're always going to get eliminated. They don't have enough. You know what I'm saying? They just, unfortunately, I hate to say it like that because Dame is top two. Yeah, at his position. He, like, for <laughs> sure. Like, he's top yeah. two. Like, that's no question. But you don't have enough guys that can, that, that, that are playing at his level. And Dame is a loyalist and he's also not a hater. So he's never going to say, get rid of CJ. Right. He's never going to say any of these things because that's just not how we are, where we're from. You know what I'm saying? So, unfortunately, I, I think that even if you make that trade, I think you're second round match. I and think, Ben Simmons has no skills. He can't I shoot free throws. He can't shoot. I think it would be a great trade for both teams. Okay, okay. Let me hear that I think that it would one. be a great like, – like, I'm not even saying that. Obviously, I live here in Portland, and I'm not saying that because I feel like the Blazers need to get rid of CJ. Um, obviously, right. you know, if, if the right opportunity presents itself, business is still business is, is the lens. And I'm looking at this. For from. sure. And in regards to Ben Simmons, I think everything that he does bring to the game, good, all of the good that he does bring to the game is everything that the Blazers lack. Defense. Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, Dame's a floor general, but like you said, his ability to like facilitate um, and, and allow Dame to play more so off the ball rather than Dame bringing the ball up the floor, being double teamed at half court, nice. and having to do some spectacular shit to for his team to even have a chance, and then still right. ultimately get eliminated in the first round. Um, I think he could play a similar role to like what Draymond plays for the Warriors, essentially right, okay. with this organization. Like, hey, I because said, that he, might be his max. That, that might, might be his max, and, and we might just might be who and, he is. and we might have to just accept that. And that's right. what I think a lot of people are realizing. It's like we wanted Ben Simmons to be LeBron James because Facts. that's who he was being compared to coming into the league. But if we strip the hype and we just take him for what he is at face value. He's a great right. defender. He's a mm-hmm. great facilitator. He right. he's 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 a great athlete. He's just not a great scorer or a great shooter. Similar to somebody like a Draymond Green, in my opinion, which the Blazers could use. Also, I don't think Ben Simmons is a leader. For one, he's really young, so he's got some stuff to go through. But I also don't think he ever played beside a leader either because Embiid's not necessarily a leader to me either. He's just an extreme talent. So I think you bring Simmons over with Dame, who's – the teammate of the year award winner who's right. you know arguably the best leader not even just in basketball but in sports that i believe can enhance Ben Simmons game and then obviously if they get a coach we don't know if it's going to be Becky Hammond who's coming from the Greg Popovich tree we don't know sure. if it's going to be Chauncey Billups who obviously was a great floor general during his playing years and i think somebody that could help essentially develop Ben Simmons into more of a player um, i think he could help Dane too Billups I think can. he, I think, I think, I think Billups can help Dame as well, just because of yeah. what he brings as a floor general and what he brings as a guy that can develop players. I don't think Stotts was the greatest at player development, and right. I, I, I don't think I definitely know Brett Brown wasn't a good player developer before. Obviously, Doc Rivers came over there to be the coach at Philly, so I, I right. just think 
that would be good for the Blazers, actually, to bring Simmons over. You no longer have an undersized backcourt, which has been another problem that the Blazers have had, Damon, CJ, both being undersized. It's going to be hard to go far with two small backcourt players. Now you have a smaller Dame, but you got a 6'10", Ben Simmons, who can play in that backcourt or in that frontcourt and allows you to sort of do more with lineups. So I think that would be good in that regard. It could be good for sure. And I think CJ gives – I think CJ gives Philadelphia the firepower that they've needed to actually win mm-hmm. because they've expected Ben Simmons to be a scorer and he's just right. not that guy. But now you bring CJ over there with a Tobias Harris and right. a Joel Embiid, two guys who can score but also defend. Now you've got some ammo over there that you've been missing because you've expected yeah. Ben Simmons to be that guy to give you some of that firepower that he just does not give. So right. I think it actually would be good for both so who else do they move there? Yeah, so you just player for player. I mean, you'll probably throw another player in there, but but like a Seth I think Curry or somebody. Maybe a Seth Curry or somebody. I mean, if you can get if you can get Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, if you're the best, one hundred percent do that because now you can bring Seth Curry off the bench. But also, I would have to look at numbers too because. CJ's getting paid and Ben Simmons is getting paid. So sure. that would obviously play a role in all of that is, you know, what, what these teams can afford. Um, but they're, they're, they're giving up a lot of money, you know, by getting rid of these players. But if yeah. they swap for each other, you're also taking on yeah, if you a can get CJ contract as well. If you can get CJ assigned Kyle Lowry this summer, Philadelphia is a problem for sure. I think any team that gets caught, well, mark my words, any team that gets Kyle Lowry, this year in free agency is going to the finals. No question about it. Okay. I, I, like I really believe, I really believe that because if you go send them down there in Dallas, that's what they need. They need somebody to take that ball handling pressure off a of Luca. Yeah. You send them to Philadelphia. He's doing everything Ben Simmons was doing and way more. You know what I'm and saying? Scoring. <laughs> and scoring. And you scoring. Send, you send Kyle Lowry. It's going to sound crazy. You send Kyle Lowry to Portland and you trade CJ for like a big, like a small forward or a, or yeah, a you know, a two-way big player. Type, I, I just say a two-way guy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether it's at, a big or a, a, a small, like I don't think the Blazers have any two-way players essentially. Right. It feels like that. It feels yeah. like that for sure. So right, yeah, I, I mean, I got, a, I got a segment that I do and it's called yeah. the six man segment. And basically instead of you giving me your top five, favorite fashion designers, you know, obviously yeah. you, you're in the fashion game with the World Series company. I give yeah. you an extra person. Give me your top six favorite fashion designers. It doesn't have to be like the best ever. It could be your personal yeah. favorite. But give me your top six, and, and obviously you could say a little bit as to why. Okay, yeah, my, I, I say my top six guys who like brand, who got brands that I really rocking with. Um, probably a brand you ain't never heard of called Barriers. It's a guy named Barter. Uh, he does a lot of like educational stuff too. So a lot of black history on the, um, a lot of black history on the, on the, on the hoodies or on the shirts or whatever the case may be Uh great customer service. And he's been real receptive to me as well. Helped me out uh, when I asked him for help. So I, I rock with a uh, barter with barriers. Uh, you know, I rock with Ronnie at Kiss, Ronnie Feig at Kiss. I love um, Kiss. Kiss doing their thing. I just got the new balances they did. Um, I'm going to I'm going to LA this weekend and and I'm definitely stopping off at Kith. Like whenever just, I go to LA, yeah. I make sure to stop at Kith. <laughs> just for that, just for that experience, bro. Just like for that he, experience. he gets it. He yeah. gets it, bro. Like yeah. so 
The I'm style, the fashion him. is dope. The style is dope. And heck, I, yeah. and I make sure to always leave with a cinnamon toast crunch milkshake here because the ice cream is fire. On me, it's it's definitely doing numbers for <laughs> yeah. sure. So I say, I say, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Figa kid, Teddy Santis is probably another guy people ain't heard of, but he's the creative director at New Balance, but he got his own clothing line called Emilion Dior. And some of the stuff that they do is some of the stuff that I see myself doing, collabing with car companies, uh, just different things like, and, and the clothes are beautiful, uh, different things like that. So I rock with Ronnie. Um, of course, my number one guy, and I think we all are sons of him, is probably Nigo, who started Bape. You know, I got the Bape hat on right now, but uh, Nigo, just because he started this whole streetwear thing, and even though he's not with Bape now, he's with Human Made, he's still making crazy impacts, you know what I'm saying, on the culture. You know what I'm saying? He's still showing he's, like, one of the most talented. So, Nigo, I got a lot of respect for him, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I hope to meet him one day for sure and pick his brain. Uh, I will meet him one day and pick his brain for sure. We're going to definitely work together. And then um, Kanye, of course, you already know how yeah. Kanye is with Yeezy. He didn't, he didn't did his own thing. He didn't said buy the Nike. He didn't took it to Adidas and made a billion dollars. So you got to rock with Kanye. Um, and I would say from there, probably, you know, the last one, because I like his personality, uh, probably Jerry Lorenzo, you know what I'm saying, with Fear of God. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I like everything Fear of God Essentials is doing. He's with Adidas, too. You know what I'm saying? Adidas just got a lot of black They got creators, Pharrell like. at Adidas, too, right? For, and you know, Pharrell is my guy. That's my, that's yeah. my hero. So, but yeah, um, yeah, and Billionaire, and he got Billionaire Boys Club. So I guess you could throw Pharrell in there, uh, minus Jerry Lorenzo. But if you look at it, it's a common theme. All of them guys are with Adidas. You know what I'm saying? So you might catch me in Portland with Adidas, you know what I'm saying? Doing something big one day. You feel me? Yeah, but yeah. It's right that's here. That's what it is. It, it, the yep, the so. action is here when it comes to Adidas. Nike as well, but Adidas is out here competing for sure. Adidas for sure. Just because they letting the black creatives go, bro. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, hey, you're a black creative. You made a huge impact on a culture. You look back at the 80s, run DMC. They were signed yeah. to Adidas. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Now they got Pharrell, the best producer ever. They got the most impactful artist ever, Kanye West. They had some great basketball players too, Gilbert Arenas, Duncan, T-Mac, all of them guys. So I think Adidas is the wave, bro. Even, even Sean Witherspoon, who got the vintage store, but uh, down there in LA called Round Two. Uh, Sean Witherspoon is with Adidas right now, doing shoes and stuff like that. So I rock with Adidas, bro. Adidas, them is my people for sure. And they got Bay ties. Shout out Dane. Shout out Dame, Damian Lillard. You know yeah, yeah, Bay, Portland. Dame right here in Portland as well. Um, lastly, I got to ask yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. So, obviously, this is called the Wake Up and Win podcast. When you wake up in the morning, is there something that you do that sets the tone for you to go out and win the day? Every every day I'm I'm praying. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I wake up in the morning, I got to say that prayer. No question about that. Because when I say that prayer, I'm setting the tone for that day. You know what I mean? Because we already talked about it. If I put on that World Series company, I got to win that day anyways. You feel me? Right, so how, right. else, how else I'm going to win if I don't know where my strength coming from? You know what exactly. I'm saying? You know, I'm a Christian. So, you know, and I ain't going to deny that ever. So it's like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I got to pray to God and just thank him for, for everything he didn't gave me. And then from there, I just get it popping. You know what I'm saying? We just just do our thing from there. So. That's what I do to win the day. That's what everybody should do to win the day, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, on that note, Tim, we are going to leave the folks the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs> <laughs>